0: Fresh
1: Air Production. Hi, and welcome to Fresh Ears, the podcast from Fresh Air Production, where we pick apart branded podcasts in case you fancy making your own. I'm Neil Cowling, the founder of Fresh Air, and I'm lucky enough to have a team of brilliant producers working across a vast range of podcasts for businesses large and small. Today, we're talking about an internal comms podcast that we've built for one of our biggest clients, Hitachi. It's called, appropriately enough, People of Hitachi. When I looked at the portfolio of Hitachi, it just clicked in my brain that actually what we're trying to do is sort of environmental times digital or green times digital is really what we're trying to do in, in all of our industries. and. Actually, the future market for mobility, the future market for energy, the future market for industry is all so heavily influenced by decarbonisation. It comes together as a common purpose for our our major businesses. So to me, it was a bit of a light bulb moment, but it's, it's something we still want to work on. But I think it's an important thing that brings us all together.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, you know, that cross collaboration across the business is something we hear people talking about all the time of you know trying to improve it
1: so why would Hitachi choose to make a short podcast for internal communication internal comms is a small but fast growing sector for podcasts makes sense why write your staff an email when you can say it and they can listen at their leisure So we'll chat this through today with Emily Seaton-Potter from Brand & Communications at Hitachi Europe and she's also the presenter of People of Hitachi and Juliet Nichols, our senior producer here at Fresh Air, who managed the project for us. Hi both of you. So Emily, thank you for being with us. Let's start by asking why you at Hitachi decided to make a podcast in the first place.
2: Of course. So... I mean, personally, I'm a really big fan of podcasts. um, I listen to several a week, so I was quite excited when we started discussing internally that this was something we wanted to do. It was actually our first ever podcast at Hitachi Europe, so it was a step into the unknown for us. And really, you know, at Hitachi, we have over 300,000 employees globally. So from an internal comms perspective, we're always looking for interesting ways to engage our employees And as I said, this wasn't something we'd explored before. So it was a step that really made sense with people working from home. Uh, We wanted to give people an interesting way to digest internal comms without bombarding them with more emails and asking them to watch more videos and things like that.
1: So are those your normal channels? 300,000 employees is obviously an enormous organisation. So how do you normally speak to those people and, and get messages to them?
2: We heavily rely on email communications. So either email communications or intranet portals, it's quite difficult actually uh, to reach everybody at the same time because different parts of the business rely on sort of different regional headquarters. So for us in Europe, we are mostly communicating to people in Europe, and then other headquarters will roll out the comms from their side. So It was nice to have something that could be listened to by everyone quite simply.
1: What's the objective of the podcast altogether?
2: So within our internal communications, a really key message that we are trying to roll out is really creating awareness and understanding of our Hitachi group identity. So the group identity is made up of a mission, values and a vision which really unites us as a company. So it connects our history to our future goals and we feel because we're such a huge organization we really rely on people understanding and and living that mission and vision and values to sort of foster a company culture something that we we struggle with and something that's really key for us is making people feel like they're part of it and this we started to tell individual stories about people who were showing the group identities through their work so that was a really sort of key way to kind of push out those inspiring stories it really made them come to life I think.
1: We'll get on to the format of the podcast in a moment but I know uh, Hitachi you're really keen and really focused on these core values of the corporation can you just outline those for us what are the core values of Hitachi?
2: So the Hitachi Group identity is made up of a mission, which is to contribute to society through the development of superior original technologies and products. And our values of harmony, sincerity and pioneering spirit feed into that mission. So you can't really have the mission unless you have the values. You've got to be living the values to be able to achieve the mission. And then our vision at Hitachi is to deliver innovations that answer society's challenges. And really, that is our message that we're putting out to the world. So how can we answer what's going wrong in society? You know, at the moment, we're focusing on environment and basically making the world a better place. It's a bit cheesy, but we really want to inspire the world with our technologies.
1: Thanks, Emily. So, Juliet, you've produced this series for us and... What Emily's just described is quite a high-level, ambitious set of objectives for the podcast to achieve. So it's quite an unusual format. Can you just talk us through what the format is of People Have Itachi?
0: Yeah, I mean, the values are something that really came through for every episode. And we made sure that they did the first series by asking people directly That was a part of the format, wasn't it, Emily? You know, which value do you resonate with most? And then in the second series, we're kind of doing that a bit more in a more of an integrated way. But I think it's fair to say that Hitachi employees genuinely believe in the values and the mission, which is kind of nice. So that's definitely part of it. But the format really is to make it this Coffee Break style podcast. So something that's short, bite size, easy to understand. And I think, again, in the first series, we made it quite short and sharp questions, getting to know people very quickly, getting that bit of inspiration, their their value, and then kind of out of it. So sort of seven or eight minutes. And we're doing something similar with series two, but in a bit more of a conversational way. So we kind of get to know them a little bit
1: more, I would say. As a producer, how do you get around that? Because that could very easily, when you're just asking employees to name their favourite value, that could very easily sound like corporate propaganda. So how do you make that not sound like that how do you make that sound natural
0: (laughs) that's a good question isn't it how do you get
2: around that it was a challenge i think in the beginning to not make it sound too scripted i think that was something that we really pushed for yeah and as, as sort of juliet was saying i think when people start talking about their projects They didn't set out doing these projects thinking, oh, today I'm going to live pioneering spirit. Today I'm going to live harmony or sincerity. But actually, as soon as they start describing them, all of this comes out and it's quite easy to connect the dots quite naturally, I
1: think. Interesting that, isn't it? Because I think audio has a way of exposing people who aren't being authentic really quickly in a way that video doesn't. Video, you sort of expect video to be acted to be a bit theatrical for there to be an element of artifice in a way that you don't with audio it's just one person and a microphone and I think if you are prompting people or they're just being asked to do corporate language then that is really obvious really quickly with audio and I think this way of getting people to speak about their projects and the work that they're passionate about is a really nice way of communicating something that they do and communicating why they love it without giving them a script they're just talking about what they do all day and and if they are authentically passionate about that that comes through really well and Juliet you mentioned the coffee break format and sort of six to seven minutes is that a literal thing are you literally expecting that people will listen to it on their coffee break and is that what's in your head when you're making it
0: I mean I think so but in a loose way and I think the nice thing about this podcast is it's accessible wherever you'd normally get your podcast. Although it's an internal podcast, you can go for a walk and listen on Apple. You know, you can you can listen on Spotify whilst you're making your lunch or whatever. So it's the perfect amount of time for a break. But I don't know if it's like you must. I think that's it's the opposite of you must sit down and read this article or read this email, as you say you were saying before, Emily. It's kind of like how do you fit these inspirational stories just into your day? And seven or eight minutes just isn't a kind of intimidating amount of time, is it?
1: As a listener, yeah, I think that's really important. The majority of work that we create is 20, 25, 30 minutes long. We talk about a depth of engagement that you get with audio that you don't get anywhere else. Most of the listening time that we see on average tends to be around 20 to 25 minutes. So normally we're making work for clients and companies that is around that kind of length this format is obviously much shorter seven to eight minutes that coffee break style as we've discussed how different is that to creating a longer form project is it more disciplined is it a different production process from making our normal length of programming
0: I think so I think it's been a bit of a process really figuring out how best to do this and to begin with it's maybe was more difficult, I think we recorded for less time, we kind of nudged people along to make their answers short and now we're getting into a space where we probably record a little bit more and then cut down afterwards and take the best the best bits and I, I think both of those ways work the first series we wanted to be a bit more kind of straightforward just learning about these people and now we're getting into series two I think there's a bit more detail there so it's an interesting process definitely more complicated I would say than your average 20 to 30 minute podcast but it's creatively satisfying to make something that's a bit different I think
1: Great. And Emily, you're not just the client in this process, you have also become the presenter, the host. And you're not a professional podcast presenter. You've never done this before. Juliet's coached you through it. So how have you found that process of stepping out of your normal day-to-day job and becoming a podcast presenter?
2: So... As I said, it, it was definitely exciting getting, you know, I'm really grateful that I got given this opportunity, but it was quite nerve-wracking in the beginning. You know, I, I sort of, we agreed to do this and then the microphone arrived at my door. We sort of set up in this big echoey room I was in at the time. But actually, you know, Juliet has been great through the whole process. I always joke that she's my number one cheerleader because she always you know, she, she tells me like, Emily, you're fine. Or, you know, when I say, oh, did that sound a bit strange? She'll say, you know, we've recorded everything fine, but we can record it again to, you know, make you feel more confident. And I think it's always the, the first few minutes, you feel a bit nervous. You know, even recording today, I could feel myself a bit nervous in the beginning. But once you get into the flow of the conversation, it actually becomes really natural. And something that I've really enjoyed actually about the the sort of element of podcasts is that you're not being filmed your every move isn't being watched you can go back and edit mistakes and having that allowance for mistakes is it actually makes the whole process really easy and enjoyable as well which is yeah I look forward to our recording sessions definitely
1: what's the biggest thing you've learned what's the biggest hint or tip you would give others that you've taken on of becoming a podcast presenter
2: I think there's a huge misconception with public speaking that people are listening to or watching your every move and I think often when you take a second to breathe and focus about what you're saying or you know take a minute to just think about what you're saying it it becomes a lot easier and I remember sort of doing some public speaking before messing up and you know your heart rate instantly increases and to you time feels like it's really slow and everybody's waiting for you to say the next thing but actually as i said when you take a minute you realize that you're fine and you know you can step back and that's been really useful for me not just sort of in recording the podcast but when i'm doing other presentations as well
1: and Juliet, from your point of view for anyone who's listening who's thinking of presenting their own podcast as a producer what's the first thing that you advise people if they're starting to Consider being the host themselves.
0: I think the main thing really is to get comfortable. So, you know, the tech can be intimidating. I think talking that through with your producer is is the first step. So you, that's not a problem. And then it's just breathing and relaxing so that you can actually speak what's on your mind. You know, not over preparing. But being aware of what you want to discuss and then just trying to calm yourself down. And I think that's the thing you do as a producer is just trying to be that calm voice to say it's okay, Like it's going to be great. And to be there to nudge and kind of get through any difficult moments together as a team. So I think that's the thing is you want a good producer who can just keep you calm and to relax into it. Because ultimately, if you're the voice of your podcast, you do know what you're talking about and most of the time you're there to interview guests who also know what they're talking about so as long as you relax it can be a nice conversation something that we did which I think really helped us was
2: we we log on maybe five or ten minutes before any of the guests join and we'll just you know have a catch-up whether it's about the weather or our weeks or you know what did you watch last night we'll just have a quick chat and that often breaks that ice and I think we feel ready for recording after we've I definitely do after we've had that quick chat and you know we do the tech setup chat and then everyone else joins and we're already feeling relaxed so that works really well
0: yeah it's like we're hosting a room and we're there ready to go and then in they come and then we can make sure that they're comfortable so that kind of works
1: the other difference with a lot of what we make Juliet is that normally we're talking to an external audience who may not know the brand very well or don't interact with the brand on a regular basis. But here, for an internal communications audience, you're obviously speaking to people who know the brand inside out, work for them day to day. So have, I suppose, a greater amount of assumed knowledge. How does that change how you think about the podcast? Does it make much difference from creating something for an external audience?
0: I think there are just less constraints, possibly. There's less concern when we're talking to people who are internal about them talking in a kind of internal insular language because everybody understands and knows so I don't think there's there's that concern about the external world although of course this content can be reached externally it's aimed at people within the company it's actually encouraged to talk about you know that stuff and I think that's probably the difference creatively
1: yeah because I suppose in many ways Emily's the perfect presenter for this because normally we're talking about External voices coming in and a professional host presenting on behalf of a brand. But in this case, Emily lives and breathes it and therefore knows the tone of voice better than anybody else, right? Yeah. So, Emily, there's a stat that we've got that most forms of internal communication have engagement rates of below 20%. And whereas podcasts for internal comms have an engagement rate of over 60%. That's a stat, obviously, um, from a survey somewhere or other. What is your real world experience of this? This is a, a real thing that we've created. What's the feedback been anecdotally from inside the organisation?
2: So I think a really interesting thing for us has been able to see all of the analytics behind the podcast. So Obviously, with email communications, you send out an email or you post something on the internet, but you don't necessarily know how many people are looking at it and reading it, opening the emails or, you know, just simply putting them in the their recycle bin. Whereas with the podcast, we've been able to see the breakdown of which countries our listeners are in, how long they listen to the episodes for, and that's been really interesting. And I think what we realised with series one was that actually our audience wasn't just our European employees, which was what it was aimed at originally. And that's actually been able to help us develop Series 2 because now Series 2 is going to be global because we realised half of our listeners were actually, I think, based in Asia and particularly Japan, where our headquarters are. So it's actually been able to help us sort of expand how we're planning internal comms for the future.
1: And that decision to make it available anywhere in the world is is quite unusual when we're talking to organizations about internal comms podcasts normally they only really want it available to people inside the organization we talk about passwords we talk about keeping it behind a firewall on their own intranet whereas really early on you were keen for this to be available on spotify and apple and all the normal places you would hear podcasts why was that why were you happy for this to be heard by anyone in the world
2: So I think at Hitachi, we have enough probably internal barriers in our way with, you know, different regions, not being able to access sort of full email lists, things like that make the job of internal comms quite difficult sometimes. So we thought that if we passed by protected or kept the content sort of for ourselves, we were actually sort of shooting ourselves in the foot a bit because, you know, with the group identity, because it's this collective identity that we want people to feel if say a colleague in India listened, it would be the same message that we're sharing globally. So actually, it was a benefit if people were listening sort of beyond Europe. And I think really, what we were trying to do with the podcast was inspire employees. And that's all employees, not just European employees. We have this phrase inside um, Hitachi called um, One Hitachi so whenever we work within a team so you know whether that's same supply chains or you're just working with a different team from a different part of the business on a project we call it One Hitachi and I think that's the message we want to foster globally so sort of cutting anyone out of it didn't really feel very within the Hitachi spirit so it it was nice to keep it open and it's as I said, it's, it's really changed how we're going to do season two and three, which is, is nice.
1: And did you worry at all that there would be secrets that came out or there would be things that were said in the podcast that perhaps you didn't want in the outside world? Did that lead to extra rounds of feedback and sort of more careful thinking as you went through that edit process?
2: I think we did have to be quite careful on certain topics. A particular episode that comes to mind was an episode on proton beam therapy. And so it's currently a very competitive technology. There's lots of different things that the team couldn't talk about. And I think they were quite conscious when we were recording not to say certain things. But all of that was sort of, actually by the time we came to editing, there wasn't any content in there that we really had to remove. But I think it was just good that Juliet and I had spoken before and I'd said to her you know if they start talking about this you know don't be afraid to stop us or um, you know if we do talk about that please can we cut that out of the edit completely so I think all of that was quite easy to manage in the editing process but it was definitely helpful before the episode I think to discuss you know we can't talk about x y and z because of these reasons.
1: Great so we're looking at season two uh, Juliette tell us what changes what we can look forward to in season two how you're tweaking that format
0: it's definitely going to evolve which is exciting so we've got a different focus this time so still talking to employees and the kind of work that they're doing but it's more around sustainability COP26 climate change that's where the aim is right Emily yes exactly <laughs> um so yes we're talking to, to different people still we've got a lovely refresh of the music which is sounding great and gives it a nice flow so that's very exciting and I think it's just that more slightly more conversational like I say we're recording a little bit more and cutting down a little bit more and there's it feels like there's a bit more space in it Do you agree Emily? Definitely and I think
2: with series one because it was something you know we'd never done it before we were really finding our feet whereas now I think we have developed more of a voice and I think the new music has really helped with that we actually found a local composer to get on board and make something with a Hitachi sound so we said you know think about Hitachi and think about what you'd associate with our business so that was it was really great to have that sort of refresh and yeah I think the messaging Because we're talking about the environment and climate change, COP26, reducing carbon, you know, race to zero. All of these things are really important, not just for Hitachi, but for other companies as well. You know, our competitors, we want everybody to be involved in this message. So the fact it is external, I think, will really help us.
0: And I think it's fair to say that you're more comfortable Now, Emily, you know exactly what you're doing with us. You're comfortable being the the host and the face and the kind of the one leading the conversation. And I think that comes through. You do open up in discussions, which is great. That's why I said, Juliet, you're my top cheerleader always. There I am, cheerleading. No, it's true, though. It's true.
1: How has that internal momentum helped and internal enthusiasm? We know that the first series that we created was a bit of a pilot, so you were looking to sort of see how it went down. Has that fact that it's been well-received helped you in getting Series 2 and things like securing budget for the next series? How has that internal momentum helped you?
2: I think it's, to not talk about budgets t- in too much detail, but, you know, at first we had sign-off for one series, and now we've already been given sign-off for series two and three, so the confidence that we are doing the right thing and that what we produce over a year is going to be relevant and interesting has been really nice. Before we were sort of working in a six-month period, and now we're looking at the whole year. Um, so it's it's really shown confidence, I think, in in management that this is the right way to communicate with our employees.
1: That's good to know. So let's round this off then, Juliet. Uh, let's do tips please, from you as producer. For anybody else who's, like Emily, thinking of creating a podcast, an internal podcast for a large organisation, what tips would you have as producer that you've discovered along the way?
0: I think um, engaging with actual employees is a really good place to start so that people feel connected. They can hear other people within the company who are doing great things, not to steal your trademarked idea Emily because it's brilliant but there's something nice about hearing from other employees and I'd also really encourage this kind of accessibility of putting these kinds of podcasts out there onto you know all the standard platforms
2: I think you had a you had a really good point there of people already know what a podcasting platform is people listen to podcasts in their own time so sharing it that making that a company focused thing people are already you know listening to their favorite podcast so it's kind of like they're not learning anything new by looking at this platform you know because they already know how to listen to a podcast
1: having gone through this piloting this test and learn process and really discovering what it took to create a podcast including everything from making yourself the presenter of the series. Uh, what tips and tricks have you learned that you would pass on to anybody else who's thinking of doing the same thing?
2: You're not going to lose anything by giving it a go and I think it's really important to try and see if it's something that your employees engage with and with organisations that are the size of Hitachi or similar size there are so many individual employee voices that do need to be heard. And there's not really another platform that I can think of that can give these people a voice, literally give them a voice. You know, it's, you can digest things through social media or emails, but it's not quite the same as actually listening to somebody speak about what they've done. And I think by not doing that, you're really missing, you've already got the tools in front of you, you've got the people who are willing to talk. So just giving them the opportunity and kind of finding out what they're going to say is is a really exciting part of it every time we would record we didn't really know what we were going to get but there wasn't a single episode that i look back on and think we missed something there all of them we actually gained things that we didn't realize we would get yeah just the confidence to give it a go i think is really key the content will come with such a large organization or even smaller organizations the stories are there it's just sort of tweezing them out i think
1: So there we go. A short, sharp podcast featuring authentic voices from within an organization who can express the values without parroting them. Brilliant. People of Hitachi is available to hear on all podcast platforms, as we discussed earlier. Thanks to Emily Seaton Potter from Brand and Communications at Hitachi Europe and Juliet Nichols, our own brilliant senior producer here at Fresh Air. If you'd like Fresh Air production to make a super duper internal or external podcast for your organization, You can find out all about us at freshairproduction.co.uk. In the meantime, I'm Neil Cowling, and thank you very much for listening.